Welcome to No Content, a podcast produced by Big Slate Media in Knoxville, Tennessee. No Content is a podcast full of content made by content creators. New trends, big ideas, expert opinions, and all the need to know on how to keep your content fresh and fly. In the studio today, we are so excited to welcome the man behind the podcast to in front of a mic. And this is Chris Hill, our fabulous and most wonderful podcast producer. We're so excited to have you, Chris. Oh, thanks, Jess. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Glad to be on the, the podcast that I work so hard on. <laughs> you know, we have a lot of fun in here. And so let me just take a second to say thank you for all you do. And You're welcome. how good you make us sound. Because <laughs> I know we can get a little crazy in here. Just a little bit. Just We're, a little bit. The Big Slate's crew, the Big Slate crew is known for being a little bit off the wall. So yeah, thank but you it's, for all it, you do. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. And it's always fun to uh, to do that for you guys. So I thought we could start off just by having you tell the world a little bit more about yourself. Yeah. You know, what your experience with podcasting is and why you're interested in it and what that, what that career path has looked like for you. Yeah. So I started podcasting for myself. I mean, really, if you look at it, it goes all the way back to 2006 when I started my very first um, listening experience with podcasting. And all the way up until, you know, I think, gosh, 2010 was about the time I actually started. I actually got to be on radio, like in front of a microphone and actually doing like a radio level presentation. And that was the first time I really got experience with, um, you know, being able to say I'm making a podcast for myself. So we did that. And then um, about five years ago now, I started a craft beer podcast with a good friend of mine. And from there, it's just kind of grown and got to the point where people started saying, hey, can you um, can you make a podcast for me? Can you teach me how to do that? And I was like, yeah, I can. And with that, you know, it just kind of led one thing into another. And I was like, I really should make a business out of this. So, you know, over the course of probably the last year, year and a half, I have been slowly but surely building a client base and then got to the point where in May of last year, I was fully out on my own and, you know, started producing and, and creating content for people. So yeah, it's been quite an adventure since. That is amazing. And so for your personal podcast, the Humble Beer Podcast, yeah. do you guys just sit around and drink beer and talk? Like, I mean, is that pretty much the premise? Pretty much. That's I mean, incredible. It's it's a little bit more than that. I mean, our goal with the podcast is we consider ourselves the humbler side of craft beer. So with a lot of craft beer podcasts, you know, you've got the guys that are talking down their nose because you've not drinking, a, you've, you've not consumed a Plenty of the Elder or you've not had, um, you know, the Kentucky Breakfast Stout or something like that. And like, why haven't you had these beers? Or these beers are the best and they're nothing like Bud Light. And, you know, Bud Light's terrible and those people to drink that are just terrible. And it's just like, you get enough of that negativity and you get enough of that like pretentiousness. And it's like, that is not what we want to convey as a podcast. And so we're the humbler side of craft beer. People ask me what my favorite beer is. And I say, it's the one in my hand. And that's true. Whether it's a, I hate to say this to a degree, hypocritically, but you know, even if it's a Miller Coors, something or other, you know, or Bud Light, you know, if someone handed me that because that's the beer that they wanted to give me, you know, I'm happy to accept it. You know, we're the humbler side of beer in that way. We also want to learn a lot, a lot about the industry. So we're going out and interviewing craft brewers and the breweries behind, or the stories behind the breweries is a lot of what we're going for. So yeah, just a lot over the place. But yeah, it's a little bit more than just sitting down and drinking beer, but it's a lot of fun. That's definitely the fun part. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I always said if I, if all I ever 
got out of podcasting was free beer, I would be happy. And I have gotten <laughs> so much more than free beer out of podcasting. <laughs> that is awesome. So yeah, it sounds like your experience is really unique in that you turned really just a hobby and something you really loved into a career. And that's yeah. incredible. Not yeah. a lot of people can say they've done that. Yeah, because what happens is most of the time people say, I'm going to turn my passion into a career. And then they realize that to turn their passion into their career, they have to turn their passion into something other than their passion. It's Mm -hmm. actually got to be a business. It's got to be a job now. And that's a lot of work. Yeah. And admittedly, podcasting is a lot of work. It's very draining. And it can be a lot of work if it's not your full-time job. I mean, even our humble beer, if you go and look at our post history right now, hopefully by the time this is released, we'll have another episode out. But if we don't, there's a reason for that. It's me and my co-host, and it's a hobby to a degree still for me and my co-host. And so we don't get to it as regularly as we used to. But through that is actually where I found that there was a need for someone like me in podcasting because if I didn't have to do all the editing, if I didn't have to do anything other than sit down with you and talk like you all do when you come and record with me, you know, I would love to have that kind of assistance on the production side because it's not easy. And so that's really where my concept for the business came up. Yeah. And podcasting is and has been such a hot topic just across the globe for several years now, I feel like. Mm-hmm. It, it almost felt like overnight, everyone's like, have you heard this podcast? Have you heard this podcast? Mm-hmm. And so it's something that's been fascinating, at least just for me, just the concept of podcasts and how it's grown in popularity. But so I knew we definitely needed to have you on because we'd love for you to share with our listeners how their business could benefit potentially from starting a podcast. Yeah. But before we go into any of the nuts and bolts on that, I wanted to ask you, what your top three favorite podcasts are that you do not produce. So it cannot be one that you currently produce. Ones that I don't produce that I am a big fan of. Definitely a big fan of What a Day. It's by um, the people who do Pod Save America. So Crooked Media is the production company behind that. I love What a Day because it's, yes, if you, depending on where you sit politically, it may not be your favorite show, but they do a really good job of bringing a very bright and airy and cheerful tone to a daily news podcast. And I just, I love it. Um, I think they've got a great attitude and a great tone. So I really like that one. Hardcore History is one of my absolute all-time favorites. Dan Carlin is just so in-depth and detailed and focused on what he does. And he's basically writing books with every podcast he produces. So that one is definitely a big favorite. I would also say for number three... Oh gosh, I'm I'm kind of like I'm still like I'm always exploring podcasts. So I would say like for a more recent find, Lore is probably one of my my other favorites right now, and that one is more exploring the world of the weird and the supernatural. And the guy is just again really well researched, really well focused. I think he releases biweekly because he's trying to produce a show with really really good content that is easy to you know, understand and just the way he does it is really, really solid. So I definitely recommend that one. Awesome. Uh, I've recently been trying to get more into podcasts myself. Mm-hmm. Um, not that you asked, but okay. my favorites right now are, um, I really enjoy true crime podcasts, mm. specifically my favorite murder is really good. Um, it's just two girls like talking about their favorite murders and serial killers all throughout history, which is, oh boy. it's a, it's a dark comedy. So they are very funny. Um, I also really like Armchair Expert with Zach Shepard. He uh-huh. interviews celebrities for 
45 minutes to an hour or so. I really enjoy that one. Um, one of the best episodes I've ever heard was the Avit Brothers. It was really cool. Mm. And then uh, this little podcast based out of Knoxville, Tennessee called No Content. Um, uh-huh. I thought I thought we said podcasts that we don't produce. Oh, oh yeah. I forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> so... Just naming, we could go on forever and name podcasts we've heard of or podcasts we've listened to, podcasts that have been recommended to yeah. us. Like they, it has grown in popularity so much. I think there's, I mean, there's hundreds and thousands of podcasts out there, yeah. Yeah. and I think I've seen and heard that over fifty percent of the population listens to podcasts mm-hmm. regularly. So why is it you think that is? Like why has it grown so much in popularity? That's a great question. I, I think the the interest in podcasting really comes from the fact that people want to people want new content, new information, and podcasting is a great way to do that. It's a deep source of information too. So unlike listening to something on the radio where you might get teased a segment for you know for an hour and it only ends up being five to ten minutes, you've got somebody who's going to go into depth on that segment, whether that segment is something that is you know, political, whether that segment is something that's, you know, more personally interesting or whatever, like you're going to get a lot more of that thing by listening to a podcast. So at a base level, I think it's people wanting more deeper content. And again, podcasting offers that. Like I referenced Dan Carlin earlier, like, you know, his podcast can be anywhere from maybe an hour and a half. That would be a super light episode for him though. He's gone anywhere from an hour and a half. I think, I think I've seen up to like five, almost six hour episodes of his show. Now, it takes him a long time to release those, and he doesn't have a regular release schedule because of the research he does. But his series on World War One, I, I think, is something like 15 to 20 hours in total. Wow. That, that reminds me of this podcast I've listened to and my husband listens to regularly called Critical Role, where it is voice actors that play Dungeons and Dragons right. together. And so they do entire campaigns for hours and hours. We will listen to one episode on a, a car ride to Ohio, you know. Yeah. Uh, so do you think like just the convenience also, the convenience mm-hmm. factor is really big? You can listen to it in the car when you're yeah. cleaning your house, things like that? Yeah, you can listen to it everywhere. And that's that's one of the great advantages. I can listen when I mow my grass, you know, when I do the dishes, when I, you know, just traveling around, even driving over here, you know, listening to um, What a Day, you know, listening to that podcast on your morning commute, like that is kind of the beauty of podcasting is you can listen to it wherever and it allows that accessibility. There's also an intimacy with the the hosts that you don't get with other forms of media because you're not constantly having ads breaking up the content. You do to some degree, of course, because they've got to pay their bills. But, you know, for the most part, like you're able to listen like Dax Shepard, for instance. The more of his podcast you listen to, the more you feel like you could just walk up to him and have a conversation probably. Yeah, absolutely. Now, that would be really weird for Zach, for, for sorry, for Dax. But <laughs> you could definitely walk up to him and go, hey, Dax, how's it going? And start talking about a topic that he has interest in because he's probably voiced on the show. Yeah, absolutely. And there's that level of intimacy there that you don't get in other media, which is one of the reasons it's big. And honestly, it's one of the reasons advertising is growing in that space too, is because people are... Um, you know, when they have that personal connection with their audience, they're able to recommend something and get a lot more impact for it. Right. Yeah. I've actually never thought about that. So I'm really glad you brought that up. That's Mm -hmm. something I hadn't considered before. Um, But I do feel like because podcasts are so popular, like everyone has a podcast or is trying to make a podcast. So 
in a really crowded marketplace like that, how do people stand out if they want to make a podcast? And how do businesses decide if they have something worth sharing in this medium? Yeah, well, I, I think it could be a couple of things, um, or not just a couple. There, there are several things. But the core I always get to with my clients is we talk about positioning and really focusing on making your podcast the perfect thing for the audience you want to reach and positioning yourself in a way that says we are this podcast. And if you listen to us, this is what you'll hear. And this is what we're about. And to me, that's probably one of the core things that is a challenge for people to get to. I mean, even when we created this show, no content, it was how do we create a show for Big Slate Media that can reach the Knoxville audience? And that's even hyper local. And most people don't think about podcasts as being a local medium. But you know, it's this is a lot cheaper than going to a radio station and paying them for airtime, you know, every week or every month. And, you know, this is that's that's the advantage is you still have that local audience that wants to listen to local things. And if they know there's local podcasts, they'll go find them, too. And so I think that, you know, with that, it's just about, again, making it specific to that audience and, and driving them to it in a way that says, you know, we, we are your your cult. And in podcasting, as you probably know, you can get hyper specific with interests and people will listen. It's not a you'll build it and they come type of thing. You still have to promote it. You still have to market it. You still have to find that interest group. But you can create a show about just about anything and people will listen to it. So do you think any business really out there could start a podcast if they get a good strategy behind it and... Yes, if they get a good strategy yeah. behind mm-hmm. it. I, I would say that's the big caveat. Um, I'm, I am I was taught in high school by an art teacher that was very anti-Bob Ross. And I'm sorry for those of you who love Bob Ross. But Bob Ross had the philosophy that anybody can paint. And as my art teacher can tell you, like, that's not true. Like, there are some people that just can't paint. It doesn't mean you shouldn't try art. It doesn't mean you shouldn't learn it if you're interested. It just means that not everybody is talented enough to go make a career out of it, which is what some people feel when they hear that. So I would say, yes, you can make podcasts for just about any business, but you need to think about everything surrounding those tactics. I would say even even if podcasting from a medium standpoint isn't for you, there's probably a place where you can fit in either in advertising or supporting another podcast. Or what I do with some of my clients is we actually do parallel um, content, meaning that we do something that runs in their industry. Like I've got a physical therapist, actually several physical therapists I work with, and we've created basically the Stay Healthy Network. And it's a bunch of podcasts that are focused on health and wellness. So there's Stay Healthy Knoxville, there's Stay Healthy Salt Lake City, there's Stay Healthy Spokane, Washington. There's all these different locations, and they're all focused on health and wellness. And there's strategy within that to how they get their market and how they grow their business through their podcasts. So yeah, it can be for everybody, but it takes some thinking and strategy. Yeah, and I I was just thinking while you were talking that if if a business didn't maybe feel comfortable at first uh, creating their own podcast, maybe reach out to industry podcasts that are out there um, that they might be interested in being a guest on and just oh, see yeah. like if they can build a relationship that way as well. Right, and, and that's a lot of what I mean by other ways you can help. You can be a guest, you can even advertise, you can sponsor, um, there's, there's plenty of other options out there, but yeah, absolutely. I would like you, this is really the, the most important section of this podcast today. I want okay. you to tell listeners, uh, businesses that might be considering starting a podcast, what are those benefits of creating a podcast for your business? How can it increase their sales? How does it assist in their marketing efforts? What does that look like? This this is a very long question, and I hope we have time for it on the <laughs> podcast, um, but 
I guess it's long form, so it doesn't really matter, does it? Uh, we don't want it to go too long, though, so I'll try and keep it short. With making money at podcasting, there's really kind of three ways or really four ways that people think about it. The traditional way is what we call CPM, and that's true of video as well as podcasting, CPM being cost per milia, milia Latin for thousands, or you know, basically for every thousand downloads you get, you get a few dollars in advertising sponsorship money because you've driven that many downloads to your show. So that's the traditional way of thinking about it, but the cost of scale of doing that, I've found that CPM on average for podcasts is somewhere between about 8 and $35 for the standard market. So you've got to get in the tens of thousands of episodes or downloads per show before you're really, really, really looking at a good return on your investment for doing that. And that takes a long time to build. Unless you've already got some celebrity status and credibility, it takes a long time to build. So where I typically advise people, especially in the business world, is not to focus on that CPM, but to look at the other alternatives to CPM. So one way you can do that is through flat rate advertising. So with flat rate advertising, what you're really doing is you're going in and you are advertising um, your services as, hey, we reached this crazy niche market, but it's all the people you want to reach in your business. So pay us a flat rate and we'll get you in there. And they position it as, we've got the credibility, we've got the audience, we've got the listeners, and you're paying us for that credibility that we bring when we do the show. And we know, typically this is in higher end, higher ed, cost per acquisition markets, you know, you're able to say, well, you know, we know that if you pay, us, say, $1,000 for an episode to advertise on our show, that you're going to get a return on your investment there. Because even if you don't get an immediate return, it's branding and awareness. It's all these things that's reaching your audience through a thought leader in that space. And so when you're able to do that, that's a great way to um, generate revenue and you don't have all the potential pitfalls of you know, doing the CPM model with that. And now you still do need to be transparent about how many downloads you get in your audience size. But once you get into those audience sizes too, it's easier to say, well, we're a niche of a niche, so our market size is really this, and we've actually captured about 10% of the market listening to our show, so you need to check us out. And that's that's a pretty big deal. So you could do that. Another way you could do this is through the basically the sale, what I call the sales model, the thought leader sales model, where you are interviewing people that you're interested in talking to in your field, and you're basically doing a promotional deal with them where you're saying, you come on my show, you can promote this, and then in return, I either want to come on your show, I want to come out to your office. Um, this is what I do with, like say, the physical therapist route is we're going to invite you out, you're going to promote a special on our show and I am going to, you know, maybe come out and do a clinic at, you know, your location and that's how we'll do our trade. And their real goal there isn't so much downloads to their episode or, you know, even broad awareness as much as it is they want to have those people actually come out and, you know, get clients from the people that happen as a result of that trade and that interaction with that guest. So you're building it as a sales tool basically. And then, and then the fourth one, of course, is just using it as a marketing tool. So in this, in this scenario, you're really using it to promote your brand and you're using it to advertise and market yourself 
as a brand and get people to, you know, be interested in what you're doing. And the cool thing there, and I think you all have already seen some value from this as well, is being able to say, well, you know, go back and check our podcast where we talk about camera gear or go back and listen to our podcast where we talk about pre-production and the importance of pre-production, you know, with the pre-pro bros. (laughs) Yeah. Shout out. Shout out to the pre-pro bros out there. But, you know, with with that, you want to make sure that, you know, you're very targeted on why you're doing the podcast, what it's about, and you're creating that content because ultimately you can build a content library out of that. And that has its own purposes as well, long beyond, you know, the episodes you record and when they're released. So I think there's a lot of benefits in, in all those respects. But yeah, those are the, those are the four. So when a business has this new episode that they've released for their podcast, what's the best way for them to promote that episode and get it out there to the masses? Yeah. So when it comes to promoting episodes, the easiest place to start with promotion is making sure that you're distributed everywhere you can be. So that means, you know, when you get your podcast on your podcast host, make sure you're registered with iTunes, Google Play, but go beyond that. Look at all the different players out there that are popular and start connecting with things like Overcast and Spotify, other podcast players, other podcast hosts that are out there. That's one very basic way. Beyond that, social media I have always seen as a strong driver of content. Picking highlights from the show, picking key quotes, picking information that people are talking about in the show and sharing that on social media is really good. You know, doing video content, video recording of the person, of the host is also a really good way to, um, you know, highlight the host, making sure that you have a promotional strategy built out before you start talking is another big one. So what you're doing there is you're getting, you know, like say you and I are talking, you're like, Chris, we're going to promote Humble Pod after the show is over. How do we do that? Well, I would go, well, I've got a Twitter account, Twitter handle. So go ahead and, you know, mention me when you do the show and then I'll make sure to retweet it and say something about it as well. You can make that even easier for your guests. You can say, hey, look, the episode's coming out here. Here's the link so that you can share it. And here is the tweet that we want you to post when the show comes out. So creating that strategy, making it easy for that guest to post is also really good, especially if you've got somebody on that's a thought leader or well-known in their field, like that's going to help drive downloads and interest in your show is just making sure you have that reciprocity and making sure that you're, you know, making people aware of the show because, you know, podcasting is great and it can also get to, I've got a thousand I'm subscribed to. I need to be reminded of why I'm listening to this show. And if I see it on Twitter, I'm going to go, oh man, I'm missing out on Chris Hill. Oh, I need to go check that out. <laughs> Absolutely. That's awesome. And I know just personally here at Big Slate, we've had a great time doing this. It's it's really just a fun thing for us to do. It's probably my favorite marketing tactic that we've implemented just because you get to sit around and talk to your friends. Like, Nothing's cooler than that. Yeah, it's it's really fun. So you've talked a little bit about the more tangible benefits of podcasting for a mm-hmm. business, but what are some benefits of podcasting that might not be related to the bottom line? Well, I've always called podcasting a magic wand. It's a bit of a running joke, but it, it is serious. Like, like I was saying earlier about getting free beer is the one thing that I really wanted more than anything. You know, I have found that to be true of podcasting, even to the extent that it gets you in front of people you would never expect to be in front of. And I'm finding that true for my clients. I've got one client in the tech field right now. Um, 
I've actually got several tech clients, but this one in particular has just been noted as like the the top influencer in the world of cloud technology. And that's a huge honor to be, you know, even by a marketing research agency to be like, hey, this guy is like the guy to talk to if you want to talk about cloud in this industry. And with cloud technology being so big right now, you know, it's it's a big deal. So you know, for the tech world, that's really cool. But he's also, as a result of building up to that level, gotten to connect with executives at Amazon and Microsoft and, you know, all these luminaries in the tech field that had he not had a podcast, he never would have reached. So things like that, you know, to me are some of the side benefits to podcasting. You also get to make some good friends. I mean, doing the craft beer podcast, I've gotten to know the whole craft beer community in Knoxville. And that has had intrinsic rewards that way outweigh just doing a show. So, you know, it's it could be anything like that. It could just be fun, learn a lot of technical things, learn how to present, learn how to talk into a microphone, all yeah, those fun things I was too. about to say, even just improving public speaking almost, because this does, even though we're speaking into a mic, we are speaking to an audience yeah. uh, later on. So mm-hmm. it is, at least to me, I feel like has really made me feel more comfortable with public speaking. Yeah. Yeah. I would say public speaking is probably one of the big things that it's helped with me as well, because I feel a lot more confident in talking now in front of other people. So yeah, definitely that one too. Awesome. So let's say someone's listening to this right now. We've sold them. They're like, yes, okay, I really want to make a podcast. How do how do they start? How do, how do you start to make a podcast? Like, what are some of the steps involved? And then how can someone like you help them? Yeah, great question. So if you're wanting to do this on your own, I would say the easiest way to do that is going to be to, you know, get out there and find a microphone under $100 that you can record on and find some easy recording software. If you have a Mac, GarageBand is perfect. Um, You could also download Audacity for free. Any number of other podcasts, um, podcast players, podcast recorders, and things like that to get started. So that's what I, I typically encourage people, if you want to do it as a hobby, just get out there, buy some cheap equipment, and start. Don't worry about the podcast itself being perfect or worry about having the perfect gear because here we are at a professional level and we're using mics that cost $100. You know, I've got microphones with me that cost $450. And, you know, you probably have mics here that cost over (laughs) $1,000. And, you know, you can go all day and buy all different kinds of equipment, but really they all fit different situations. And at the end of the day, like, if you learn how to mix better, if you learn how to manage EQ, manage your volume, manage speaking into a mic well, like that's going to do more for you in the long run. And that comes with time and experience. So that's why I say just find something to get started with and just start practicing. You know, good podcasting. NPR actually has a load of classes on presenting and on talking and on podcasting. And um, well, not really podcasting, I should say, but all of the things that go into podcasting that an NPR presenter would use. So if you're wanting to learn some techniques, that would be a great place to go and look as well. And I'll include that link to you so you can put it in the show notes. But yeah. Awesome. And so once they have their episodes recorded, the first couple, what's a good platform to get started on? You mentioned Anchor. Would you suggest Anchor? What? Yeah. What? what which ones do you <laughs> recommend and prefer? Um, Budget-wise, I mean, Anchor is definitely a very tempting choice. The one thing I advise people there is if you get on Anchor, I don't like that Anchor says they'll put you on all the platforms. That means that, in my mind, they are registering you through iTunes, and they're doing all that for you unless they are doing it where you have full ownership of it, which I think they say you do. 
So alternatives to Anchor that I really recommend, Podbean is a good one. That's a really good $10 a month podcast host, and um, I really enjoy the way they do things. You can start out there for free, but you don't get much audio if you start out there for free. So if you're doing a short show or you just want to say you have a podcast, it's a great way to get started. Another good one, and my personal favorite, is Transistor. Transistor is starts at 20 bucks a month, but you can have as many shows as you want, and they do their tier pricing tiers based on number of downloads for the show. So the more popular you get, the more you pay, but it's all relatively affordable. That's awesome. So if they didn't want to try to do this by themselves and they wanted to work with someone like HumblePod, how can you help them? Ah, great question. So again, if you are... In between, say, wanting to do it yourself, not wanting to, you know, maybe maybe wanting to pay someone but not sure you had the money for that yet, I teach a class at the University of Tennessee. So you all are welcome to come and be, you know, students with me. I teach a day-long class where we go through a lot deeper into the positioning of a podcast and how to create a podcast and the structure of a podcast and all that through the um, actual like recording like we're doing now. And in the afternoon, we actually have a workshop for that. And I encourage people to, if they have gear, bring their own gear, if they have questions on it. But if they don't have gear, it's still worth taking because we will go through and record together and we'll talk about you know using some editing software and things like that as well. So that's that's kind of the in-between. And then for HumblePod itself, I've got a website, humblepod.com. And um, you can also email me at chris at humblepod.com as well. And, um, you know, just let, let me know that you've listened to the show and, um, and yeah, I'd be happy to talk to people. That's awesome. I know you definitely would be willing to answer any questions people might have following this episode. Yeah. Chris is a really great guy, a good friend to us. And we were so excited to have you today, Chris. Thank you so much. Do you have any final thoughts before uh, we close out today? Um, just back to that thing about at the beginning, we were talking about the getting, like turning a passion into a career and all that. I would say if you decide to do that, don't just quit your day job and go do that. Build, 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 and then leave once you know you're in a place where you can confidently continue it. I see a lot of people that just quit and disappear, and then it's like, hey, weren't they weren't they going to start a video production company? Yeah, they had no clients when they said they were going to go do that. Oh, yeah. So it's possible to do your day job and have a side hustle. So do that before you jump into a full-time job. That's some great advice from Chris Hill. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Happy to be here. Bow, 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 bow. <laughs>